0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Timothy, and uh, I want to share from a passage there. First Timothy, First Timothy, Chapter Two. We'll start reading in verse 1 after we pray. Father, we do give you thanks for, uh, Father God, all your good blessings. We thank you, Father God, for, uh, Father, both knowledge uh, that's taught us by the Holy Spirit as well as utterance that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that you would enrich us tonight with uh, deposits of grace, with wisdom and understanding. Uh, Father, we pray for answers that would come to, to us, to individuals, light that would clear up any uh, darkness. We pray, Father God, that you would be glorified in the ministry of your word. And Father, we confess freely and fully that our love of your word is our love of you because it's you that speaks the word. And uh, Father God, we thank you that we receive it with uh, respect, with uh, with honor and with high esteem tonight. And thank you that it, it, uh, as we mix faith with it and honor it, that it has a great profit in our life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, uh, letters that are written and and print um, only has... uh, uh, you know, the degree of, uh, of uh, you know, value to us comes from who spoke it. Amen? Amen. If you get a love letter from your sweetheart, uh, you know, what makes it, you know, so valuable is who wrote it or who said it. And so we never want to legalize and make the Bible... A commandment book or a uh, letter of law, uh, just as an ink and paper book separated from the person that spoke the words uh, religion uh, you know can uh, you know memorize the Word of God and it be just uh, you know a array of laws, but if you separate it from the person that spoke it, then it becomes. Uh, you know, a religious formality and not life. And so uh, we encourage you, I encourage myself, to receive the Word of God as it is in truth, God speaking to us. And, uh, you know, I'm more in love with the Word of God than I've ever been. I have a great problem, and my problem is... uh, you know like on our daily reading it's hard for me to read one chapter <laughs> i'm like man that was good i got to see what happened <laughs> in the next chapter right uh, i got to reading about the kings to today and i was reading about hezekiah and, uh, you know, Sennacherib and the king of Babylon that came down and or the king of Assyria that came down and all the stuff. And I read a couple of chapters. So I was like, man, I've got to read this and see the deliverance on what happened. You. <laughs> Can't quit here. It's like stopping a movie, you know, three-fourths of the way through. And uh, you just got to, you know, continue into, uh, you know, Uh, You know, if you start reading about love in 1 John, you're like, well, I I need to read the rest of that. He's not finished yet, you know. So anyway, it's good to let God talk to you. Amen. And uh, so stop reading your Bible. Let God talk to you. There's the difference. Uh, I was reading the other day, and this verse kind of just popped out. Have you ever had a verse pop out? Uh, This verse popped out. And uh, let's read uh, the context to get to context. First Timothy 2, verse 1. Uh, Paul was writing, of course, to Timothy, uh, a younger minister. He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, uh, supplications would be defined as uh, earnest, heartfelt entreaties or Petitions. Uh, supplications, prayers, plural, intercessions, plural, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So Paul said, I want to, you know, I'm instructing you to make all of these kinds of prayers. Uh, Verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority. So he said that we are, we have a responsibility to pray for civic leadership and authority. Amen? Amen. For kings and for all that are in authority. And he said uh, the reason that we want to pray for those in authority is that that we may lead or have a quiet and peaceable life. Does uh, Christians praying for their country, does it avail? Is there any results from it? You know, we don't need to lose what we got to appreciate what we got. You can appreciate what you have, the freedom, the, you know, the standard of living, the protection, the privileges we have here as citizens of this nation without losing it. Amen? You don't have to lose it to pray for it and ask for it. Amen. You can appreciate it and continue to believe God for it. He said, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and all honesty. For this is good and acceptable, or in other words, pleasing, in the sight of God our Savior. So to do that is the will of God. who will have all men to be saved. Now he's talking about the harvest in connection with a country having peace. Uh, There's, You know, when a country is having a civil war, evangelistic efforts are hindered. When there is the ability to move about freely and the gospel can be preached without uh, the hardship or the distraction of unrest, and chaos, then the plan of God can go forth better in a peaceful state than it can in a persecuted or a chaotic state. And so God said to pray for the leaders so that the country would have peace. And in that the country has peace, then he said, all men can be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, not a multiplicity of gods, and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now you know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He took, you know, He said, sacrifice and offers and you would not, but a body you've prepared for me. I come in the volume of the book to do your will. Jesus took upon him a body so that he could be representative of Adam's race. Just as Adam was representative and all men came into condemnation through Adam's disobedience and sin, through the obedience of the second Adam, representative of the human race, all have come into righteousness and the removal of condemnation. Can you say amen? So there is a man at the right hand of God tonight. In a flesh and bone body, a man sits on the throne with God who is an eternal spirit. And that man has scars in his hands and on his side. Are you still here? And his blood has been offered on the heavenly mercy seat of the holiest of holies. So there's a man in heaven tonight who is a mediator between God and men. Can you say man? <clears> How <throat> knows that God needed to reconcile us and get us back in right relationship with him? And the only way that could happen is through his plan of redemption and the removal of sins because he's holy. And sin can't approach to His presence. So somebody had to get rid of the enmity between us and God so that we could be reconciled to Him. So God reconciled us to Himself through the mediatorial work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That Son became flesh and blood. Amen? So there's one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You know, John said that uh, if a person denies that Christ came in the flesh, he is Antichrist. Yeah. Jesus called himself both the Son of God and the Son of Man, he was 100% God, second person of the deity. But he was also a hundred percent man. Sinless, but man. Can you say man? Between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself. How many like that? He gave himself. You know, the greatest thing you can give is yourself, right? Who greater love hath no man. Then he laid down his life for his friends. He gave himself a ransom, and he knows what a ransom is. If somebody gets kidnapped and they're demanding a million-dollar ransom, then if the ransom is paid, supposedly that's the conditions that the person gets set free. Right? So Jesus was the ransom price—his blood, his life—that freed us. Sit with me. Say it. I am ransomed. I am redeemed. The price has been paid. And I'm set free. Amen. Anybody happy about being free tonight? Being redeemed or ransomed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb, you know, slain without spot or without blemish. You're very valuable. I really I was reading yesterday, and and was reading in First John, and he kept saying, "Beloved, let us love one another." And he'd call us beloved. And uh, I looked that word up, "beloved," and that's actually the the uh, uh, it actually the root of it is agape, agape, the Greek word agape, which is divine kind of love. So beloved means agape. You're agape. You're divinely, you're the divinely loved ones. (laughs) I had a revival at home about being agape or beloved yesterday. I'm beloved of God. That's basically saying the same thing that John said in the epistles about himself when he kept saying about himself, the disciple whom the Lord loves. He didn't call himself John, me, John. He said, kept calling himself the disciple whom the Lord loves. Uh, You know, that's good just to go around saying that all the time. I'm the disciple whom the Lord loves. He ransomed me. He redeemed me. I'm so valuable to him. Right? I'm agape. I'm the beloved of God. He's put his love on me. That'll turn your crank. That'll get rid of your insecurities. That'll give you some healthy self-esteem, not in pride, apart from God, but in Christ. Can you say, man, uh, for what? Uh, workmanship, you're his workmanship. That actually actually, the Greek is uh, you're his uh, poem, poetic masterpiece. You're God's work. Can you say amen? Praise God. So he said, uh, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Amen? We can give testimony to Christ and what he's done. Amen? He said, we're unto... Paul said, because of that, I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle or a messenger or sent one. I got a mission from God. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. He said, I'm a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in verity. All right. Now we're down to our text. (laughs) Verse 8. He said, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Lifting up. Now, you know, we live in a day where you can't pray in school and you can't pray at graduation and you can't pray here. But uh, that's bunk and junk and baloney. The Bible says that God wants us to pray everywhere. (laughs) That'd be in your car, in your bedroom, at church. Amen. Everywhere. That don't mean you have to push it off on other people, but as far as you're concerned, you, you know, if you take God out of an uh, educational institute, what do you have? It's a godless institution. If you uh, uh, take God out of, uh, if there's no mention of God in some popular entertainment, uh, what is it? It's godless. (laughs) Are you still here? We want God in things. Everything. Can you say amen? amen? So he said, I will therefore that men pray. So what is this subject? Prayer, and notice—you know—we, I guess, why this jumped out to me. We always use Second uh, First Timothy chapter two, one through five, about praying for the nation. But this whole context, he's still talking about prayer, and he said, "I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands." Say, lifting up holy hands. Amen? You know, your hands are not to kill people with, or to steal stuff with, or to punch other people. Are you still here? Your hands are to lift up to God. Now, a lot of times people don't lift hands at church, but it's scriptural to lift your hands. Can you say amen? Amen. It's scriptural to lift holy hands. Lifting up holy hands without, say without, without wrath and doubting. So lifting up, praying everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Uh, I got stuck on this a little bit. Uh, with this without wrath and doubting and it's just kind of popped to me and so uh, we've used up a a good portion of our time so we can't get super heavy duty into it but uh, let me just make some comments okay first of all he said that he wanted men to pray everywhere Now, thank God we got a good balance of uh, females and males here tonight. I think it's almost 50%, maybe just a little higher on the uh, female side. But he said he wanted men to pray. (laughs) Any of you ladies want to say amen? You know, most churches, if you really look at a, you know gender breakdown of it, there's more women in church that are spiritually sensitive and pursuing God's plan for their life than there are men as a usual thing. Right? When it comes to prayer, if you go to the intercessory prayer meeting or the prayer group meeting, usually it'll be more ladies than it will be men that are carrying the burden of prayer. But God said that he wanted men to pray. (laughs) What you want me to preach something besides that's not the Bible? (laughs) And I'm not getting down on our men because we have great men in this church. And we have men of prayer. Can you say amen? But I want to encourage our men. Uh, You don't want to take the attitude, well, uh, you know, in our family, my wife does all the praying. That shouldn't be. Amen. Your wife shouldn't pull the prayer weight. You are to pray. God wants men to pray. Christ was our example in prayer, and he was a man of prayer. Paul is our example as New Testament, born again, spirit-filled, in Christ Christians. And Paul set an example for us to pray. He was a man of prayer. He said, for this cause I bow my knees. Paul was a knee-bowing, holy (laughs) hand-lifting man of prayer. So, you know, I'm, I don't want somebody to see me bow down on my knees and lift my hands. Those things are both scriptural. Paul said, for this cause, I'll bow my knees. He said, I want men to pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Can you say amen? So there's strength from this verse. This is like Peter walking on the water. You know, when Jesus said, he said, if, it, if, it, if, if it's you, Lord, bid me come on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter really wasn't walking on the water. Peter was walking on that command that had the power in it from God. Can you say man? He could walked on air or walked on water or walked on whatever if Jesus had said come. Can you say man? So the enablement came with the command or the instruction. And if God said, "I want men to pray," then there's an anointing and a grace for men to pray. And when men in their families pray, it affects their families in a positive way more than, you know, people talk about, I had a praying mama. Well, how much more do you hear about praying mamas than you do praying daddies? (laughs) Are you still here? I know recently I've had my kids on my heart, and I've had grace to pray for those kids, an anointing to pray for those kids. Can you say, man? I mean, the devil can't have my kids. They are not going into darkness, they're taught of the Lord, and great is the peace of my kids, and they are walking in righteousness. And they're not going to get distracted by this world. They may get this or get that and may pursue educational careers and stuff like that. But as far as I'm concerned, they are not going to get away from the call of God on their life because they've got a praying daddy. Praise God. I insist that the devil will not mess their lives up. Can you say amen? Amen. So he said, I want men to pray. Man, I like this verse. Woo! We got some praying men at this church. Now, you know, if your lady and your husband is not spiritually interested in things, the Bible gives you instructions in 1 Peter 3. It just said, just live a godly life before them. And your godly life will have more influence on them than a hundred sermons that the pastor would preach. Yeah. He said, if they're not one, by the well, we'll just turn there and read it. <clears throat> you know, these are pastoral texts. These are verses that uh, are not politically correct nowadays. Are you still here? Sit <laughs> with me. Faith Builders Church is a church full of men who pray. Hallelujah. Now, you know, about six or eight months ago, or maybe a year ago, My prayer life was just, you know, I hate to admit this, but I'm just going to be honest. You know, I took prayer school, and I knew that the Lord didn't want us to stop having prayer school. But I took it, and I thought at the time, I was like, Lord, I don't need to take this because I'm already busy. But it actually ended up being a great blessing to me because it actually forced me to pray. (laughs) You know, I remember Brother Hagan talking about one time that a pastor asked him, he said, how do you get your people to pray? Talking to Brother Hagan, you know, he had people come and pray. He said, how do you get your people to pray? The pastor asked Brother Hagan that. And he said, well, you've got to pray yourself if you want your people to pray. <laughs> well, it stirred my prayer life up. And I already, I did, I had a prayer life. But, you know, really, you should have been coming to prayer school to get this, but we got off on uh, Ephesians 3.14. You missed out on some things by not coming to prayer school. (laughs) But Paul said, for this cause I bow my knees. We started studying the content of the epistle prayers, and we started confessing we have the same spirit of prayer that Paul had. Well, that actually got inside me, and I started loving this church more and praying for this church more than I previously had, and that's just in the beginning stages. That's going to continue... But and it's not a laborious, you know. Okay, let's see if I've been here thirteen minutes or seventeen minutes. I got to hang on. I'm gonna pray twenty minutes. That. it's not that kind of laborious, you know, monologue. It, prayer is to be a living relationship thing. Are you still here? And uh, it's it's not a duty. It's become joy. Can you pray and enjoy praying and want to pray? Well, at first, you may have to force yourself to do it. It's kind of like setting the oven to 400 degrees. You may have to set yourself to pray. But if you will start praying, you will get over more into the spirit of prayer. And it's deception of the devil to think, oh, Prayer is boring, and prayer is is uh, is just you know is is distasteful, and there's nothing about no. You start is being in the presence of God distasteful. Fellowshiping with the living Creator of the universe, who has all the wisdom there is to have, all the knowledge there is to have, who's all powerful that made the universe, and knows everything. About everything is spending time with that particular individual. <clears throat> Boy, you know, there's instances where Jesus, it said, went up into the mountain and prayed, and he had sent the disciples off to cross the sea, and he came walking on the water in the fourth watch of the night. This was like, you know, seven or eight hours later, he had been up in the mountain, uh, fellowshipping with God. You know, uh, not all prayer should be long prayer. Sometimes prayer should be short. You know, somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth. He said, "You know, uh, you know how long do you pray?" And he said, "Usually not over fifteen minutes." And then he paused and said, "But I usually don't go over fifteen minutes without praying. <laughs> praying is living in God's presence." It's practice in His presence. It's getting his work done in the earth, when we pray for the harvest, when we pray for others, for saints, when we pray for the church, when we pray for the nation. That's labor, that's work. Are you still here? But you know, all revivals that have broken forth, broke, breaking forth. I'm glad my grammar teacher's not here tonight. <laughs> all the revivals that have broke forth, you know it's almost without uh, uh you know without uh fail that those were preceded by prayer yeah. you know when daniel when israel was to come from their captivity uh the bible says that daniel was reading the book of jeremiah and he saw in the book of jeremiah that god had said after 70 years I'm going to bring my people back. He set his face to seek the Lord about that. He saw it in the word and he began to pray about it. And the Lord then began to move and sent back Ezra and sent back Nehemiah and sent back, you know, the fulfillment of that. Are you still here? So we have a part to pray. On one occasion it said Jesus prayed all night, and the the next morning He called uh, the the multitude to Him and chose 12 disciples. Right? Why didn't He choose 11? Why didn't He choose 13? Why did He choose 12? Because that night while He was praying he got God's plan and God's purpose and got who it was. If you pray more, you'll know more. You know there's a lot of confusion, a lot of people, you know, not don't know direction and I've been there and and at times I'm still there, but praise God, for those that pray, they start seeing more and more. Praise the Lord. And to some extent, the body of Christ and a church has lost, in a general sense, lost the spirit of prayer. One of the signs of a healthy Christian is a prayer life. Amen. One of the signs of a healthy Christian is a spiritual appetite. When people don't want to come to church and hear the Word of God, when they don't want to read the Word of God, something is wrong. Just like if a kid stops eating, something's wrong. They're not hungry anymore. Well, if you're not hungry for the things of God, something's wrong with your spiritual life. You need to go to Dr. Jesus. You know, he is the great physician. And he still makes house calls. <laughs> and he said, he said, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. So who takes the initiative? If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And if you don't take the spiritual initiative to begin to pray about some things, those things are not going to happen. You know, uh, it, you know it messes with your personal will and your personal flesh to have to you know, adjust your life so that you can give yourself more to prayer. But you're not going to be sorry when this life is over if you did. Now, you know, I've I missed some opportunities to pray and to give myself to prayer. But uh, that stirring in me again, and I'm recognizing the Holy Spirit working in my life to draw me into a closer uh, prayer relationship with the Lord. And uh, I want to yield to that. And I want that to work in me. You know, we talk about having the works of Jesus. He said, you know, verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, you know, say to, to, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, those that believe on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. Amen. Right? Well, are we going to have the works he did without the prayer life that he had? If we're we're going to have the ministry that he had, I mean, he said, uh, you know, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I hear my father say. Where did he see what the father did and where did he hear what the father said? It was his ministry was a byproduct of his fellowship with the Lord. Can you say Amen. I'm going to say that again. His ministry was a byproduct of his fellowship with the Lord. So Jesus said that his house would be called a house of prayer. And sometimes it feels like we're pulling a cart uphill to get that running up and get that strong. But I believe, praise God, that there's breakthroughs happening uh, in this arena, and the Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person. Uh, the Amplified Bible says makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I know one thing that the Lord's been dealing with me about, you know, is you know too much administration. Well, in a smaller church, you're going to have to do a lot of administration. I answer the phone, some I run errands, some I get the mail you know i help you know stephen joys out of town i help with the accounting i help you know i clean sometimes i pick up trash in the yard i do whatever it takes to, for our church to go but you know in acts chapter 6 it said that the apostles uh you know uh, you know, when the food ministration, and there was complaints about some not being ministered to with the daily administration of the food uh, in connection with the widows that the church helped, uh, the apostle said, uh, you know, look ye out seven men among you that we may put over this administration. And he said, we're going to give ourselves continually to the word of God and prayer. Amen. Can you say Amen. Now, of course, that's in the ministry. I mean, if you run a business or you're a business owner or you're an employee of a a company or whatever, you can't give yourself uh, continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I mean, you're there to take care of, you know, some natural things too. But just because you have to do that, that doesn't mean that you have to do that all the hours of the day. Can you say man? You can have time to give yourself to prayer. You know, there's the law of use. How many knows if you take, uh, say, if I take my left hand tonight, before we go home, I tie it behind my back. And for the next four weeks, it stays tied behind my back. When I untie it, what's going to happen? It's the use it or lose it principle. Principle. If you don't use a thing, you lose dexterity and it atrophies. Right? The law of use says if you use something, you develop skill. And if you develop skill, skill turns into an art. Use develops skill, skill turns into an art. I mean, if you're going to learn to play basketball, to develop skill, you've got to go out there, shoot free throws, make layups, dribble. And the more you use those things, the more skill you develop. And the more skill you develop, the more proficient you become at a thing. Well, it's the same principle, uh, you know, with, with, you know, physical things. Prayer is a spiritual exercise, just like physical exercise. If you're going to develop a spiritual exercise, you have to start by using it. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you start using it, it gains more strength and more dexterity and more ability. Y'all are awful quiet tonight. He said, I want men to pray everywhere. Well, he wasn't eliminating the ladies from praying here because the Bible says that we're to pray always. Can you say amen? But, you know, if I could impart something to us tonight, it would be an increase in the spirit of prayer. Amen. I mean, you know, uh, know, maybe we need to, you know, inventory at times and just sit down and write categories, internet usage, television watches, cell phone usage, eating, sleeping, then put Bible reading and prayer in there (laughs) and see what the pie chart looks like. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. You know, before the healing revival came in the 40s, uh, late 1940s, Brother Hagin talked about that he started praying, got it on his heart to pray about those things. And the Lord said to him at the end of World War II, there's going to come a revival of divine healing. You know, before the outpouring of the Spirit of God Uh, You know, Brother Parham and some Bible school students got hungry for the things of God and started praying for the same experience they had in the book of Acts. The Bible says, seek and you shall find. Can you say amen? So I know you're busy and I know I'm busy and I know our society doesn't lend itself to encouraging a meditative life of prayer or a meditative life of being in God's presence. But you must, if you're going to be what God has called you to do and have what God's called you to have and fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life, there must be a movement in that direction. Now last Wednesday night, we talked about waiting on the Lord. Do y'all remember that? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, we want to be strong Christians. We We don't want to cave at every little thing. Right? I mean, you know, one time the disciples... Jesus was facing a, one of the, hard, the hardest tests of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, uh, you know, Peter had just told him that he would never deny him and he would die with him. And then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray a few minutes after. And Jesus said, wait here with me. He wanted them to pray with him, right? Right? And uh, he prayed, he went on a little ways away from them and prayed and then came back to them and they had, you know, they were so tired that they had went to sleep instead of praying. Right. And, uh, you know, he went away again and came back and they were still sleeping. Well, you know, when, you know, I don't know, you may not have experienced as much, but if you're in the ministry, uh, satanic oppression sometimes can come before there's breakthroughs. And there can be a heaviness that just tries to drain and sap your strength. Have you ever experienced that before? And it's almost like, you know, just, Keeping your faith and keeping your focus and keeping free from distractions and keeping uh, in you know resisting uh, temptations to quit or resisting your flesh or whatever can begin to pull on you so hard that it can and can uh, zap your string, and that's why we need to be in prayer. Jesus said, "The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak." He said, "Watch and pray that you what." that you enter not into temptation. You know, we've all been tempted and yielded to temptation before. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's when we yield to temptation. I've yielded to temptation, you've yielded to temptation. But having a prayer life and waiting in God's presence or being in God's presence and receiving strength puts us in a position to not enter into things. It can keep you from saying a wrong thing or doing a wrong thing that can cause a problem. Yes. Can you say amen? Yes. I know it's a little bit sobering tonight, but you know, <clears throat> again, I you know, you know what kind of pastor I am. I didn't try to, you know, win popularity. I know that I'm not the most popular pastor. I've already got that, so you don't have to bust my bubble. So we're going to preach what we feel like the Spirit of the Lord has given us and what matters to our life. And this is non-condemnatory. Amen. But it's clear instruction from the Word of God that we need. The Bible says all the time about watch and pray. Watch. Be alert spiritually. Stay strong spiritually. Be on your guard spiritually. So that you don't get blindsided by the enemy. Thank God He bails us out. It is merciful to us when we get blindsided or we're in a, in a place of weakness. But God wants us to stay strong. And part of maintaining spiritual strength is having a prayer life. I want men to pray. Amen. Amen. Everywhere. Well, we didn't even get to what I wanted to get to tonight. <clears throat> but we got to what I believe the Lord wanted us to get to tonight. <clears throat> can you say, man? stand up with us. I figure if I can take two minutes off of every service, we'll be back to eight o'clock here in a few <laughs> a few weeks. Praise God! It was eight eighteen when I had you stand up. Okay, so we've had just over an hour of power. <laughs> Youth usually don't get out to eight thirty, and they like and use every bit of their hour and a half. <laughs> but uh, you don't want them to be more uh, spiritual, uh, spiritually, you know, hungry than you are. Can you say Amen? Glory to God. You want to be as excited about coming to church. I know I've caught flack from the youth on days that we've canceled church because of weather, and they're like, oh, you, you know, we can still have it. I can still get there because they like being with one another. Can you say, man? Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. (laughs) This church is a house of prayer. And you are a prayer warrior. (laughs) Amen. And uh, even if you uh, don't feel like you are, or you hadn't been using it lately, you need to confess. I have the spirit of prayer. I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Lord uses me in prayer. And I pray regularly and often, and I enjoy fellowshipping with the Lord in prayer. You start saying that, the Bible says you believe a thing in your heart and say it with your mouth, you'll have what you say. Can you say amen? So, I think if we did the Star Trek thing, and we transported Peter and James and John and Paul into this generation and this time, I think they might shake their heads a little bit and like, whoa. (laughs) They might be like, you know, the drill sergeant looking at the line of troops that, you know, soldiers are sagging and uniforms are distreveled and, you know, and stuff is hanging off here and on there and and, uh, at attention. The Bible says, you that are asleep, awake. Out of darkness, so the Lord is, you know, shaking us a little, Amen. saying, "Wake up, buddy." Amen. I mean, we don't want to, you know, when Jesus needs us to pray, we don't want to, you know, uh, you know, sleep through it. Right. Amen. He's looking for people yeah. that can pray His plan and purpose, and 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 get, get some things done in prayer. I don't profess to be the poster boy for that, so don't send me any flowers. <laughs> but we've tasted of it and had some appetizers of it, and the rest of it is good. And we're encouraging, come taste and see that this is good. Father, we do thank you, Lord, that uh, that you're stirring us and bringing us into obedience and to uh, a walk Uh, Lord, in the light of your commandment to uh, pick up the mantle and the uh, weaponry, uh, Lord God, and to put on the whole armor of God, praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Lord, we're convinced if we've got uh, a group of people at this church that prays that we can touch the world, that we can change this state, this city, this community, this nation, uh, this world through those prayers. And so, Father, we thank you that there is an impartation, that there is a, uh, uh, Father God, a deposit of, uh, of, of drawing us, Lord God, and an energy and an ability that comes from heaven, drawing us into the fellowship uh, and the intimacy of prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ had. Uh, thank you, Father God, that none of us rest satisfied or content until we can look ourselves in the mirror and say, we're flowing in the spirit of prayer. And we know that the Lord is using us to enact His plan and purpose and His will in the earth today. So we do pray, Lord, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank You, Lord, for teaching us to pray as You taught the disciples to pray. We give You the glory and honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen. Amen. Let's lift up holy hands. Hallelujah. Father, we do lift up holy hands in worship, in adoration, and praise. Father, we know that men clap at political rallies and at banquets. Uh, We're not giving you a hand in applause. We're lifting up holy hands in reverential worship. We thank you, Father God, for a greater experience of your glory as we reverence you more. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a rich little verse. I want men to pray everywhere, lifting holy hands. Just learning to worship in a greater degree can usher in a greater presence of God. That's happening as well. God bless you. You're dismissed. This message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www.faithbuilderschurch.net.